800 AM and 94.9 FM KINY Juno from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Local first. Now, News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis, and these are the stories we're following this hour. The Department of Commerce and NOAA are announcing the availability of up to $106 million in funding through the Pacific Coastal Salmon Recovery Fund. The Alaska Police Standards Council voted down a regulation change that would allow the state to hire correction officers as young as 18 years old. And Alaska Native and Fisheries Conservation Organizations have filed an amicus curiae, or friend of the court brief, supporting the lawsuit brought by the Association of Village Council Presidents, Tana Chiefs Conference, and City of Bethel against federal fisheries managers. But first, the Department of Commerce and NOAA are announcing that the availability of $106 million in funding through the Pacific Coastal Salmon Recovery Fund for Pacific Salmon and Steelhead Recovery and Conservation Projects. This funding, which includes funding from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and the Inflation Reduction Act, will support state and tribal salmon restoration projects and activities to protect, conserve, and restore these fish populations and their habitats. Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo said, Restoring Pacific salmon populations and their habitats is vital for communities on the West Coast and in Alaska. This funding, supported by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and the Inflation Reduction Act, a key pillar of Bidenomics, will power transformational high-impact projects and support efforts by states and tribes to protect and conserve salmon populations. The PCSRF program funds projects and activities necessary for conservation of salmon in steelhead populations listed as threatened or endangered or identified by a state as at risk to be listed. For maintaining populations necessary for exercise of tribal treaty fishing rights or native subsistence fishing or for conservation of Pacific coastal salmon and steelhead habitat. The Alaska Police Standards Council voted down a regulation change that would allow the state to hire corrections officers as young as 18 years old. The current minimum age for hire is 21 years old. The Department of Corrections floated the proposal as a tool to combat its staff shortage, decreased applicant pool, and high vacancy rate. In September, the department reported more than 100 open positions and a 30% decrease in applications compared to the previous year. Most members of the council wanted to accept the new regulation, but said the department needed a plan in place to train and support younger hires. Department of Public Safety Deputy Commissioner Brian Barlow said he was among those who had discomfort with the regulation as written, saying, however, I do think there's a way forward. He said there are dangers associated with hiring younger people to work with hardened criminals, but that there is also a danger in having a significant number of vacant positions in a corrections facility. Council Chair Rebecca Harmon said her experience with younger first responders in King Salmon has shown her that 18-year-olds can handle responsibility in areas like emergency medical services. She went on to say, We've got EMS kids who start volunteering at 18 and become solid parts of our volunteer team for the rest of their adult lives, so I think it can be managed. She went on to add that she would like a very robust ethics training and saying, I feel like if we did put together a program where we're welcoming young people in, I think we have to really do our due diligence about training them appropriately. And Alaska Native and Fisheries Conservation Organizations have filed an amicus curiae, a friend of the court brief, supporting the lawsuit brought by the Association of Village Council Presidents, the Tanana Chiefs Conference, and the City of Bethel against federal fisheries managers. The lawsuit alleges the National Marine Fisheries Service violated the National Environmental Policy Act, 
by authorizing large-scale industrial fishing companies to catch billions of pounds of fish without appropriately considering the impacts in light of rapid environmental changes, ongoing species collapses, and closures on in-river salmon fisheries. Native People's Action, the Ocean Conservancy, the Cusacum River Intertribal Fish Commission, Salmon State, and the Alaska Marine Conservation Council filed a brief in the United States District Court in Alaska on November 22nd. If successful, the litigation could lead to consideration of the impacts of industrial fishing and precautionary measures designed to minimize bycatch and the killing of species like salmon, herring, crab, and halibut. Executive Director for Native People's Action, Laura Lee Ivanov, said Arctic Yukon and Kusukum River salmon populations are in crisis, devastating food security and threatening food sovereignty, endangering ways of life central to who we are as indigenous people. Meanwhile, as our ability to harvest salmon is shut down or severely reduced, the National Marine Fisheries Service is relying on an outdated ecological analysis to increase the quota of the trawl fleet. With this potential ruling, the court has the opportunity to set fisheries management on the right track for a better future for all Alaskans. Coming up, the body charged with policing the ethics of members of the Alaska House of Representatives has dismissed complaints alleging two members improperly allowed an Alaska Right to Life representative to misuse state resources. That story, when News of the North continues. Welcome back to News of the North. Body charged with policing the ethics of members of the Alaska House of Representatives has dismissed complaints alleging two members improperly allowed an Alaska right to life representative to misuse state resources. The complaint said current representative David Eastman and former representative Christopher Kirka, both Wasilla Republicans, violated the ethics law during a visit to the state capitol by Pat Martin over two days in April 2022. The complaints alleged that Martin was an unregistered lobbyist for the Alaska right to life, Martin's official title within the group is the Outreach and Development Director. Complaints said Martin and his assistant used Eastman's office as their, quote, base of operations for most of one day and part of an evening, while they used Kirk's office for most of the other day. The complaint said this use of the offices included petitions. But the House Subcommittee of the Select Committee on Legislative Ethics dismissed the complaints on November 29th. The subcommittee confirmed that Martin is not a registered lobbyist and said it was outside the scope of the investigation as to whether he was an unregistered lobbyist. Security footage was available for one of the days, April 14th, and showed Martin visited Eastman's office for just over three hours and Kirk's office for more than an hour. The subcommittee reported that security footage wasn't available for the other day, April 15th. The subcommittee found that there was no documented evidence that Martin used public funds, equipment, service, or another government asset or resource, such as legislative computers, phones, office supplies, or copy machines. The subcommittee also said there wasn't documented evidence that he stored petitions in their offices, while noting that visitors to the Capitol sometimes store things in legislators' offices. In a news release announcing the dismissals, the subcommittee said that even if the allegations and the complaints were true, they would amount to violations of the Legislative Ethics Act. A Jeremiah Beadle came on the KNY's The Morning Brew on Monday to talk on Southeast Alaskans standing together and helping wrangle following the landslide. I'm wearing the hat of the Southeast Alaska Standing Together uh, Facebook page that some friends of mine and I had started up uh, a few years back when, when we were reaching out and seeing what we could do to help out Haynes when they, when they had a mudslide. Right. Yeah, yeah, so similar circumstances right during the holiday season, uh, just a real rough spot Haynes was finding themselves in and, and uh, other than just showing up and, and digging through the muck with them, uh, we, we tried to figure out what, what could be useful to, to help them out from this side. And uh, that's how we came up with uh, the Facebook page and, and uh, the initiative that we... 
In the spirit of compassion and community, the Southeast Alaska Food Bank is rallying support for the residents of Wrangell. With that being said, uh, I, I got into touch with some folks over there in Wrangell asking what it was that we could do here in Juneau and, and the, the rest of Southeast. And they mentioned that uh, it had been a hard year for them over there. Uh, they are one of the only food pantries. Uh, and he'd mentioned that he'd seen about a 50% increase in, uh, in demand uh, for what he has for goods. And he's been having a hard time because his grant funding had been reduced to about 30% of what it was the year prior. Uh, with the fishing season being what it was and the ec economic impacts of, of uh, you know, inflationary being the main, main piece of that, hitting southeast Alaska as hard as it has, uh, he's, he's seen a large increase and, and his stores were pretty low. And then uh, when the mudslide hit and, and 70, 75 homes were affected, uh, of course, you know, his limited supplies had, had been diminished. In order to help those in Wrangell, Juno is coming together with a dedicated food and toy drive. This will be matched, doubling the support up to a significant 2,000 pounds of food. Additionally, to show solidarity, Alaska Marine Lines and U-Haul of Alaska have offered to cover all shipping costs of the collected items, ensuring the donations reach those in need. Additionally, to help streamline the process, the Juno Auto Mall near the airport, as well as us here at the Juno Media Center across from Twin Lakes, will serve as drop-off points for all collected items. You can drop off at the Juno Media Center, as we will be available from Monday through Friday during our business hours, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. The deadline for drop-offs is December 15th. Beetle also took the time to highlight the unique community that is Southeast Alaska. Yeah, no, there's, where there's a will, there's always a way. Uh, you just remind me that we live in a, a pretty, what can be seen as a very unforgiving climate. Alaska, southeast, you know, we have some pretty big storms that if they were to pass through the lower 48, you know, it'd be all over, all over the news agencies. And <laughs> we, just, we just call them, oh yeah, the Taku winds, or hey, you know, it's, like, it's just the seasonal stuff that we experience. Uh, from time to time, you know, things line up in some pretty poor ways, and, and uh, the great thing is that we, we are very resilient and the, the folks in Wrangell and Haynes you know they're they're very strong resilient people and and everybody just kind of gets together and and uh, you know unites and, and makes sure that whatever needs to be done is done and then uh, we we want to make sure that they very very well know that uh, they're not alone southeast Alaska is a very unique place and uh, we see them all as you know very close neighbors of ours uh, and that we're, we're here for whatever their needs might be now we're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. For continuous updates, visit our website, kinyradio.com.